SEP Fanfic Readings presents Thanks to the Photographs by Unstable Hufflepuff Chapter 8 The Murderer and the Whore The second years Hermione was due to be teaching first period on Monday were waiting, lined up outside the classroom, whispering amongst themselves. She was, for the first time, very glad that gossip traveled around Hogwarts as fast as it did. It was clear that they all knew she wasn't to be messed with any more. The thought made her grin like a lunatic. But Draco was still having issues. He wouldn't have been acting so strange around her if he wasn't. But he had cured her hangover the previous day, and he'd been perfectly nice about her embarrassing herself, too, so she supposed she could lend him some help. "'I'm going to let you all in, but you'll be on your own for a few minutes while I take care of something,' she said loudly as she reached her students. Several of them nodded their heads, and she opened the door with a flick of her wand. "'Believe me, when I tell you I'll know if any of you try anything funny in my absence.' They all scurried into the classroom, a few throwing fearful looks back at her as they did so, and she shut the door again behind them, locking it so they couldn't skive off the lesson. She then continued down the corridor, heading towards the charms classroom. She stood outside the door for a minute when she reached it, pressing her ear against it to listen in. Draco didn't seem to be faring all that well.' "'I assigned you all an essay, so why have only ten of you handed it in?' "'We don't take orders from Death Eaters.' "'I don't know why Professor McGonagall even allowed you to teach here.' "'If we could just get back to the issue at hand. "'Clearly she's gotten old, totally gone senile. "'What would your precious Dark Lord think if he knew you were shagging a Muggleborn? "'Forget him. Didn't his aunt torture her?' "'That is quite enough. You're a sick bastard, you know that?' Hermione threw open the door, making half the class jump in their seats and the other half turn to stare at her. She grinned at their faces. Excellent, she thought, stepping inside and shutting the door behind her. I taught this lot on Friday. Professor Granger, Draco said, looking both confused and deeply uncomfortable. Shouldn't you be teaching? Putting on the same persona she used whilst intimidating Bellatrix Lestrange at Gringotts, Hermione practically waltzed down the center aisle, smiling menacingly, and making some of the students cower slightly. "'My students will survive without me for a few minutes,' snatching a hat off one boy's head and tossing it onto his desk. "'Besides, I have more important matters to attend to. It has come to my attention,' she flicked her wrist, disarming a girl who had her wand directed at Draco under her desk, "'that some of your students haven't been showing you the respect you deserve.' A tall and rather broad boy on her left scoffed loudly, and she snapped her head around to glare at him. Five points from Ravenclaw, Mr. Bringley.' She turned her gaze to the girl whose wand she currently held. "'And fifty from Gryffindor for aiming a wand at a teacher, Miss Penelin. "'You'll be serving detention with Mr. Filch for that. "'How does polishing the awards in the trophy room sound to you? "'Without magic, of course.' Aubrey Penelin went bright red and shrunk in her seat, avoiding eye contact. "'Professor Malfoy's past is none of your concern,' Hermione went on, reaching the desk at the front of the room, behind which Draco stood. She turned to face the class, crossing her arms over her chest, and dropped her smile. "'He was tried in front of the entirety of the Wizengamot, and due to testimony provided by Harry Potter, all charges against him were dropped. He may have once been a Death Eater, but he most certainly isn't any more. Don't get me wrong. He's still an arse.' There was some nervous laughter, and Draco said hotly, "'Still an arse? Seriously?' She turned to glare at him. "'Don't interrupt me when I'm defending you.' He held up his hands in mock surrender, and she turned around again. "'But he is not 
a criminal, and he is your professor, whether you like it or not. That means that you do, in fact, take orders from him. And when he assigns you homework, you do hand it in. He's been going easy on you, that much is clear. I've known him since I was eleven years old, and believe me when I tell you that you do not want to get on his bad side. Hermione paused her speech to survey the class, giving each and every one of them a look threatening enough to make them squirm in their seats. She fought not to beam with pride. If I hear one word that any of you has been giving him grief, I will make certain that you spend the entire year drowning in essays. While in this classroom you will give him your full attention, and you will not mention anything involving his past or his personal life. Have I made myself clear? There were heads nodding throughout the classroom, but that wasn't good enough. I said, have I made myself clear? Yes, Professor, they chorused. Hermione really did beam with pride this time. Excellent, she exclaimed, clapping her hands and making one girl flinch. I'll see you all on Friday, then. Miss Penelin, you can see me in my office at the end of the day to retrieve your wand. Yes, Professor, Aubrey mumbled, turning pink, and Hermione went back down the center aisle towards the classroom door, pausing only to throw Draco a small smile before disappearing into the corridor outside. He'd looked stunned, and she was secretly pleased that she possessed the ability to put that look on his face. The rest of her day went swimmingly. In fact, the only less-than-appealing part of her day was having to re-explain the five exceptions to Gamp's Law of Elemental Transfiguration to a fourth-year Hufflepuff girl who'd stayed after class to whine about how her mother conjures up food perfectly fine. It had reminded Hermione all too much of Ron's bemoaning while they were on the run as barely adults. Staying in that tent, she definitely did not miss. She was, however, extra appreciative of her dinner that evening. When she settled into her seat at the head table in the Great Hall, she was pleased to see Draco relaxed. Well, he actually looked incredibly smug, lounging comfortably in his chair as though it were a throne, but she was fairly certain that this was just how he looked when he was relaxed. "'The rest of my fifth years handed in their essays after lunch,' he told her in a lofty tone when she'd raised her eyebrows at him, and Aubrey Penelin burst into tears while begging me for her forgiveness. "'You probably shouldn't look so pleased when discussing crying children,' said Hermione, trying not to smile too big. "'But I'm glad you had a good day, Draco.' "'All thanks to you, Hermie Ninny,' said Draco with a wink. She rolled her eyes at him, but her smile never faded. When Hermione arrived at her classroom after lunch the following afternoon, she was none too pleased to find that her students were not, in fact, waiting in the corridor for her. She was even less pleased to open the door and find Ginny impersonating her before a large group of highly amused thirteen-year-olds. Unlike Ginny, the thirteen-year-olds had the decency to look ashamed. "'To what do I owe the honor, Mrs. Potter?' Hermione asked warily, her hands falling to her hips without thought. Ginny mirrored her movement, only slightly mocking. "'Don't give me that tone, Miss Granger,' she said, and out of the corner of her eye, Hermione saw many of her students whipping their heads back and forth between the two of them. "'I only came to apologize for the disaster that was Saturday night.' "'And you had to interrupt one of my lessons for that?' asked Hermione, unimpressed. "'Couldn't it have waited until the end of the school day, or perhaps have been written in a letter?' "'Well, I was already in Hogsmeade, helping set up a few things,' said Ginny carefully, a hint of a smirk pulling at the corner of her mouth. "'And I came to the realization that you were never fortunate enough to catch a glimpse of George's award-winning watercolor portrait of my least favorite family member. Really, his use of purples and blues was mind-boggling.' Most of the class was looking at Hermione in confusion, 
likely hoping that whatever she said next would help them decipher what the hell Harry Potter's wife was talking about. George Weasley ran a joke shop, didn't he? Since when was he an artist? And Hermione was speechless and staring at Ginny with her mouth hanging open most inelegantly. "'I also thought you should know that Luna contributed a fair bit,' Ginny went on, fully smirking now. "'You'd never think it to look at her, but her handiwork was truly remarkable.' Hermione blinked stupidly. "'That,' Ginny said, pointing a finger at her, nodding emphatically, "'right there is why this had to be in person. I wanted to see that, especially if I am to withstand his presence for the remainder of my afternoon.' And at that, Ginny smoothed out her hair, grinning, and strutted out of the classroom without another word. Hermione stood in the center of the room for what must have been an entire minute before one of her students, Jessabel Thornton, highly inclined to gossip for the average Ravenclaw, tentatively asked, "'Professor, was Mrs. Potter really talking about art, or was she using a metaphor so that none of us would understand?' Hermione gave herself a little shake, clearing her head, and when she turned to face Jessabel, she was grinning like a fool." Five points to Ravenclaw for that astute observation, Miss Thornton,' she said brightly. "'Now, if you would all put away your copies of Intermediate Transfiguration and take out your wands, I'm in the mood for a practical lesson today.'" Three hours later found Hermione practically skipping into the charms classroom as the last of Draco's students filed out. He eyed her apprehensively from behind his desk and frowned when she shut the door behind the last student. "'Luna punched Ron in the face!' she squealed and he nearly jumped at the sound, his eyes widening. Luna! I mean, George helped, but Luna! She was almost bouncing up and down with glee, giggling in a way that seemed to unnerve her present company, who was now leaning back in his seat, gaping at her. Luna doesn't have a mean bone in her body, and yet, according to Ginny, Ron's walking around Hogsmeade all purple and blue! She paused, disappointed by the lack of reaction. Why aren't you laughing with me, Draco? Draco shook his head slowly, looking slightly dazed, before finally letting out a chuckle. He ran a hand through his hair, smiling softly, and said, "'Forgive me. I just never thought I'd see the day you, of all people, got excited over Weasley getting socked in his dumb, freckled face. If this had been the case earlier on, maybe we could have even been friends.' Hermione scoffed. "'Well, no, because my blood would still be far too filthy for the likes of you,' she said exasperatedly and all amusement quickly left Draco's face. He opened his mouth, looking solemn, but she held up a hand to stop him. "'Don't you dare go getting all sappy and apologetic right now! You'll ruin my moment!' Draco sighed, sounding frustrated. "'Granger!' "'Don't, Draco!' she said firmly. "'I'm happy right now, and I'd like to stay happy. We can save this conversation for another day.' He opened his mouth to retort, but seemed to think better, and hastily shut it, glaring at her. "'Thank you. Now!' She walked around his desk to grab a hold of his arm and force him to his feet. "'Let's go have dinner and bask in the glory that is Ronald Weasley's discomfort.' Draco rolled his eyes, but allowed Hermione to drag him from the classroom. They had begun to make their way down to the great hall, arm in arm, when he suddenly chuckled to himself. She shot him a questioning look that only worsened his amusement. "'I was just wondering if his face will be healed by the time the first Hogsmeade trip takes place,' he said with a mischievous glint in his eye. "'You see, I wouldn't want to ruin Lovegood's and the earless bloke's masterful artwork.' "'Earless bloke? Really, Draco?' "'What else am I supposed to call him?' he said indignantly. "'Weasley? Nah, there's too many of them. It'll get far too confusing for me.' "'His name is George,' reprimanded Hermione. "'I assume that particular name won't be of any difficulty for you, 
seeing as it's only one syllable. G-O-R... Draco shook his head, feigning remorse. No, I'm afraid that I just can't do it. You are impossible, and if there were no children around, I would give you a swift kick in the arse, said Hermione, as they entered the hall, lowering her voice slightly to keep her words between them. Since I cannot do that, I will have to resort to other means in order to express my disapproval, Lucius. If there were no children around, I would respond to that by acting horrifically childish and yanking on your hair, said Draco, in an equally low voice. As that isn't an option, I'm going to have to settle for reminding you that in our youth, every time you raised your hand in class, you looked as though you may piss yourself with excitement. Hermione glared at him as they neared the head table, where Veronica was watching them with narrowed eyes. I very much wish I could pick up that jug of pumpkin juice and dump it on your head, Hermione said wistfully, gesturing to the table before them. But alas, there are children around. Draco nodded grimly, pulling her chair out for her before taking his own seat on her left. Indeed, he said at the very same time that Veronica blurted, Are you two lying about not shagging? And for the second time in the last fifteen minutes, he nearly jumped out of his seat, as though he had not even realized she was there. Hermione turned slightly and met Veronica's expectant gaze with a blank expression. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response, she said flatly. Veronica pouted, an action that didn't quite suit her face, Hermione thought, and let out a long and overly dramatic sigh. Well, seeing as my love life has become a never-ending line of potential marriage contracts, she said, I was hoping I could live vicariously through you, but clearly you're not as much of a slag as the papers make you out to be. Fucking shame, really. You'd be way more exciting. Hermione didn't know quite what to say to that, so she turned away without comment and began filling her plate. Draco, she noticed, hardly touched his food for the remainder of dinner, and Neville had to repeat his name five times before getting his attention to ask if he'd pass the potatoes. Hermione didn't really mean to read the Daily Prophet that morning. She really didn't. Hadn't read it in years, in fact. She figured it was best to ignore it, as she'd been doing to most of her troubles as of late. But as she was preparing to leave her quarters, Creature suddenly apparated in front of her, shocking her enough to drop her robes before she could pull them over her dress. Holding her hand over her racing heart, she stared down at him and was deeply unnerved to find him beaming. "'Miss Hermione will be most pleased,' he said. "'The blood-traitor friend of Master Harry has run into trouble.' Creature saw him in the paper read by wizards. Creature cannot read, but he likes the pictures. He proudly handed her that morning's edition of the Daily Prophet, the front page of which held a photograph of Ron exiting the three broomsticks with George and Ginny behind him, his face covered in bruises of purple and blue, under the headline, Trouble in Paradise at the Golden Girl's Return. Creature put this picture up in his cupboard. Thank you, Creature, said Hermione uncertainly. She gave him a forced smile, and he bowed before disappearing, going back to work with a smug look on his ancient face. She looked back at the prophet as she made her way out the door, overcome with apprehension. Her heart rate was picked up at the sight of Rita Skeeter's name at the top of the article. Her feet carried her towards the great hall as she read, no need for her to focus on where she was going, after having resided in this castle for most of her youth. Students swerved out of her way as she walked, and she hardly noticed them. After two years of peace for war heroine and co-owner of Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, Ronald Weasley's life is slowly deteriorating. There is no question as to what has caused this decline, as only one person is known to bring such misfortune to the best friend and long-time confidant of Harry Potter, the boy who lived, and her name is Hermione Granger. 
since Granger's return to Britain, after mysteriously disappearing from society two years prior, Weasley and his adoring beautiful wife, Lavender Weasley Nay Brown, have not been spotted together on their usual outings. Close friends of theirs claim that the couple have been having issues, and here is where you'll discover why. Despite having been there to glue the pieces of her now husband's broken heart back together, after it was so cruelly shattered by the careless hands of the female counterpart of what we now know as the Golden Trio, poor, sweet-hearted Lavender is now having to deal with a whole new wave of heartbreak. Knowing that his ex-girlfriend, Granger, is out and about in his homeland once more, Weasley is clearly reliving their messy past. As a result, he has been seen frequenting pubs in both Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade Village, most recently the establishment called the Three Broomsticks. Now we can only speculate as to how Weasley earned the bruises he wore just yesterday afternoon, but it is highly likely it has something to do with the Golden Girl, who evidently still has an effect on him. Granger herself has not been spotted since her initial return, but her presence still looms over the young couple, threatening all that they hold close. The last she was seen was in a Muggle hotel in downtown London, in the company of the Muggle American ambassador's son, while her then beau, Weasley, was waiting for her at home. Many have wondered how many of these affairs Granger partook in prior to that night, when she was finally caught red-handed. How long has she been leading Weasley on, making him believe she was the only one for him, while she was running around with various Muggles men behind his back? Was it only the Muggle world in which she ventured, in order to keep these affairs hidden from Weasley and their shared friend Harry Potter, who no doubt was furious on his friend's behalf? If so, which wizard, or wizards, which would surprise no one, is responsible for aiding Granger in destroying the once widely admired friendship shared between the members of the Golden Trio? We will have to wait and see, when Granger finally steps back out into the limelight, a place she has not been able to resist since the age of fourteen, when she broke Potter's heart by leaving him for Bulgarian Quidditch star Victor Crumb. Perhaps the Golden Boy should have seen her affair coming. Having known her past, but alas— Love blinds us all as we cannot blame the poor boys for thinking she returned their affections. Will we see a decline in the outings of Potter and his own wife, Hollyhead Harpy's chaser, Ginevra Weasley, nay Potter, known as a fiercely protective woman and a player not to be trifled with, on and off the pitch? It is without a doubt that she is the only one left to save her brother and husband from the venomous and fame-seeking hands of Granger. Let's just hope that Ginevra is able to protect her loved ones when Granger inevitably attempts to sink her claws in them once more. She was fuming. One would think being kept in a jar for a month would teach Rita Skeeter a lesson, but evidently not. If she was present now, almost nothing would stop Hermione from wrapping her hands around the evil woman's throat. She hardly paid attention to her surroundings as she stormed up to the head table, her hands clenched so tightly around the prophet that the paper crinkled. Every last eye was on her. She was trembling with poorly contained fury when she sank into the seat next to Neville, who was watching her warily. "'I thought you didn't read the paper any more,' he said nervously. "'I don't,' said Hermione tightly, scrunching the prophet into a ball and tossing it into her empty plate. "'Creature brought it to me as I was leaving.' "'And are you—you know,' Neville grimaced under her heated glare, "'are you all right?' "'Oh, I'm great,' she said, and she nearly flinched at how high-pitched her voice came out. She took a deep breath, attempting to calm herself, and tried again.' "'I'm fine, Neville. Don't worry about it.' "'Are you sure? Because you don't look fine.' "'I knew what was being written about me. I simply chose to ignore it.' Hermione paused for another deep breath, clenching and unclenching her fist under the table. "'I'm not surprised that Skeeter took one look at Ron's face and came out with this rubbish. I knew being back here would mean I'd have to deal with this again. I just—I suppose I underestimated how much it would bother me.' 
Neville patted her on the back, flashing her a sympathetic smile. It was all he could do at that moment. They both knew nothing he said would make her feel better. She would have to learn to deal with the media again now that she was back. There was no hiding from it anymore. This article was not the first, and Hermione knew it would not be the last. Herm, oh, knee. I'm afraid that's my seat you're in. Hermione rested her head against the back of the chair and rubbed her temples, sighing in frustration. She hadn't even realized she wasn't sitting in her usual seat. Just sit in mine today, Draco, she said tiredly. Oof, someone's in a mood today. Draco raised an eyebrow at her as he slid gracefully into the chair beside her. His eyes lowered to the crumpled paper on her plate and he grimaced. I must say, I did enjoy the photograph, but my appreciation for the article quickly deteriorated as I read on. Hermione crossed her arms over her chest, then shrugged as if to seem unbothered. Draco didn't buy the nonchalance for one second and frowned at her, dropping his voice so only she and Neville could hear. "'It'll get worse when you start going out again. But hey, at least they aren't calling you a murderer. I'd take horror over murderer any day of the week.' She glanced up at him, finding the same smirk that seemed to be constantly imprinted on his pale face. Only it was softer now, almost endearing. She found herself smiling back at him, uncrossing her arms and dropping them onto the table before her, exhaling slowly as the tension left her body. Draco nudged her with his elbow, smirking still, and whispered, "'There you are, Granger. Just relax. Let them say what they want. Anyone who knows you knows it isn't true.' "'Thanks, Draco,' she said softly, raising her head to meet his gaze again. He was, however, no longer looking at her. All color had drained his face, making him look almost ill. She followed his gaze, brow furrowed in confusion, to her left arm, left exposed and resting on the tabletop, the scar there forever unhealed, as red and irritated as it was the day she got it. Mudblood. Oh, right. She'd forgotten to put on her robes.